It is the end of the year, and Hellcast is here to blow it out with one hell of an episode. I am Reaper. I'm Kevin. And that brief moment of silence would otherwise have been Eddie Satan introducing himself. But, unfortunately, he is no longer going to be a part of Hellcast. He has quit. He said he could no longer be a part of the show because his cover band, Flight Crew, is starting to take off and that he needed time to devote to the success of that. Ironically enough, uh, as the name kind of presents itself, it's an all-pilot cover band. And, you know, he always kind of kept that on the down low and didn't really bring it up to me, even behind the scenes, and especially not on the show, and I kind of always wondered why. So, in light of this, you know, unfortunate event of him quitting the show, I went to one of his gigs at the uh, nearest sports bar and grill out in the middle of nowhere where they, you know, play all the time. They do various gigs throughout the area and uh, brought my gear, too. And, uh, well, I'll let these clips speak for themselves, but uh, I kind of know why he didn't really bring it up that often. Where'd you come from? Where'd you go? Where'd you come from? Got 
Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I could be laughing after being moved so much with that last tune there. But, you know, that was, that was of course, very moving, insightful, and very tragic. But uh, luckily, Kevin was uh, able to take time out of his uh, busy schedule of cock blocking and uh, come down and be on the show today. <laughs> so I <laughs> appreciate you coming. You maybe remember, geez, how many episodes you've been on now? Uh, three or four. Later on the show, I will be giving details on how you can win yourself a free Hell's Headbanger CD in the end-of-the-year special fashion in which we're doing this episode. I don't know exactly how holiday-spirited it may be, but we're doing our best. The music world is getting another scare or another means of control, and especially the uh, racist people, because... White power music has been targeted. No, really? Oh, no. With this article that uh, you, Kevin had sent me, luckily, because I had no idea about this, this ongoing issue, <laughs> and yep. especially where how far it has become. The article reads, As Apple moves to ditch so-called white power groups from iTunes, other online retailers are dragging their feet to remove the hate music. While the production and sale of po white power music is nowhere near the multi-million dollar industry that bloomed in the 1990s, iTunes is providing a new and unprecedented tool to effectively distribute hate music and with the ideology required to recruit new supporters. Other companies like Amazon and Spotify did not jump as quickly to absolve themselves of hate-based music. The SPLC also provided Spotify with a list of white, white pride music currently available on its site, but Spotify has yet to remove any of it. Among the SPLC-listed bands on Spotify is Argoslint, a death metal group known for its racist and anti-Semitic lyrics and whose past and present members, according to Wikipedia, have gone by names as... Pogrom, or is it Pogrom? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce that one. Holocausto, The Genocider, and Gravedigger. There are 16 Argoslint songs on Spotify, and the most popular is Bloody Mary, with the lyrics going, Killing for Christianity, Queen's Throne of Blood, Follow her godly faith, or be destroyed by her hand in painful misery. Watch her victims ri risen, like the Mongols' genocide, convert old faith or be erased. A Spotify spokesman said, We take this very seriously. Content, artist and music, listed by the BPJM in Germany, which is just pretty much a censorship site, is pro uh, proactively removed from our service. We're a global company, so we use the BPJM index as a global standard for these issues. Other potentially hateful and objectionable content that is flagged by users or others but not on the BPJM list is handled on a case-by-case -case basis. With the strict media laws in Germany and other European countries managing to prevent white power bans from success or at least making it into the mainstream, with America having its free speech protection to U.S. citizens, that has allowed the racist music industry to thrive here in the 1990s. In addition to being a once hugely profitable business, hate music has long served as a highly effective recruiting tool for the movements whose messages it espouses. 
The New York Times one point said in an interview, the message can motivate people to action, cause them to be proud of themselves and their cause. It can aggravate anger levels. It can rouse resentment. The hate music's industry hate day may be over, but while record sales have long been waning, the vast and easily accessible world of online music sharing has provided this particular genre with something that it may value more than money, influence. Now, while I have really no objection or problems with establishments such as iTunes, Spotify, or whatever the hell, yeah. They are private companies. They can choose to have whatever they want to sell on there as they wish. But the bigger problem I have is they point out in the article a band like Argo Slunt, who were considered a racist band. But when they point out their best-selling song being, what, Bloody Mary? Yeah, Bloody Mary. Um, and then quoting those lyrics, maybe it's just the passage they chose. I don't really know the song that well. But it seems like the song has nothing to do with racism. The band may, but the song doesn't. That's where the problem goes, because you should be addressing where the issue is rather than overall. Does the internet need an, uh, a uh, parental advisory label? Yeah, probably. I don't see a problem with that. But I see a problem with the generalization flagging stuff that isn't otherwise a problem. You know, something that's anti-religious, that's a whole different thing than white power, which the article is addressing. Right. So... It, it every album if a band puts out an explicit album they don't just because the band once had an explicit album they don't put it on all their albums mm -hmm. they do it by album by album so why would a song be any different and i think this is just yet a potential another case where the media and so-called you know censorship is just lumping shit in again who's not to show then as it was pointed out in the article united states does have freedom of speech and while you know, you may hate the white power thing. A lot of people may be against the Nazi thing, and, you know, rightfully so. You still have the right in the United States to say whatever the fuck you want and hate whoever you want. So <laughs> it, that's, that's what they are protected by law to be like that. And that's what the article has stated. However, if they're going to be lumping things that have nothing to do with that, you know, if they're going to start generalizing stuff, they could start throwing things in there that are thus going to take away from your freedoms. And that's what I think is the bigger problem. Yeah, it's like if they had a problem with it to begin with, it's like, why, do, why was the music even available from the get-go? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like they didn't know what they were selling. It's, not, it's just like, oh, because this one article comes up, oh, wait a minute, we actually had these bands on our you know, sales and they're generating this money. You know, It's all about the dollar until it gets to be about a political or a social situation. Then like, oh, wait a minute, we got to step back and reevaluate you know, where we're coming from as a company right? and then just take it from there. But... Um, yeah, like you said, you know, it's whether you agree or disagree with the music, it's it's there, and um, people are going to like it and are going to dislike it. But um, whether a company wants to base their sales on what a uh, certain um, another level of PMRC, as you, you pointed out, it could be like the next version of that, or um, where you just have something simple as uh, parental controls on the internet, on your web browser, yeah. or something to that effect. Um, Which I have no problem with. I understand, right. you know, the... The, it's it's as an adult it's easy to say like well you know you could choose your own thing but as a kid it's hard to even fathom where your your mind you don't even know what's manipulating your mind and right. shaping it right. so i can understand the concern for kids but as you just said 
they all of a sudden now, well, wait, we're going to remove this. Yeah. Oh, it's a problem now because it's getting, you know, written about. Yeah, it's in and the press. So, so you didn't yeah, give well, a shit before. Yeah. You're just looking at w- your reputation as a company. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe it'll bring out good, but still, you don't give a flying fuck. And it was all about dollars before, but now it's about, you know, when it comes to yeah. your reputation, too. And that's where it's just kind of backward. And that's where I get, it's concerning, too, though, when they lump shit that has nothing to do with the cause into it as well because i've often feared that there's going to be a point in the united states that your religious freedoms i i personally think and i'm not going to go on a long drawn out explanation why Mm -hmm. but i personally think that your freedom of religion is slowly being forgotten and taken away and this is kind of a direct way of pointing it out they pick a song like bloody mary granted you know it's easy to like well because it's the most popular one and it's you know that band but when you're writing and pointing out the lyrics then you're kind of already looking further into it as a case by case as the spotify guy even said in the article yeah so then you would see that well you're fucking wrong you know what i mean right especially with like um argus Lent, if you really dig into the lyrics you're going to see um the, their songs based are based on history and based on the point of view of the conquering uh, nations of various historical historical events that has happened. You know, and you know, there's of course it, it's all based on you know who's uh, like I said, it's based on history. But um, there's other bands where it's just straight up you know there's there's things called white pride then there's there's hate and people make the distinction between that um then there's just other things that you know i said having argus lent lumped in there is really you're riding the uh, a thin line between the two just being a regular death metal band and being like considered a white power band just because of that fine line that they have you know but i i can all i can say is you know for the listener is dig into the lyrics you know it's like you if you like the music dig into the lyrics no matter what the band is no matter what genre is don't just take something at face value if you really like something then investigate it dig yeah. into it you know see what find you know make the decision for yourself you know don't let uh, a government or a, a company dictate to you what you're going to be able to listen to or what you like or what you're able to like how the hell are a lot of these kids that are downloading and this is one of the flaws to downloading how are they even going to know it's white power or even get the so-called uh, pride to, and uh, message to go out and you know support their hate when they don't even probably know what the hell they're even talking about because they can't, A, understand the, the lyrics, and B, they don't have the fucking lyrics because they downloaded the goddamn thing. Right. I mean, great. Some the argument could be like, well, that does, still doesn't make it right, and it doesn't, but it's still, it doesn't really make it that much even more of a problem. I, I really think, and, you know, call it bigotry or rapers are fucking closet racist. No, it's just me being rational that... You know, just to put whatever is in music, it's no goddamn different if someone's singing, you know, anti-Semitic stuff than Norwegian black metal bands singing about burning and killing Christianity. They fucking even went out and burnt down yeah, churches. Exactly. How many hate crimes are really happening in the name of music, metal, or white power to this day anymore that uh, that are people being killed and stuff? Right. I mean, it. it I think there's more happening uh, to the latter of freaking white power than there is 
of white power movement itself. Yeah. And it's, so it's like, you know, it, again, it's just always like, you know, if you once got a bad rap, you're always going to get a bad rap when people just fail to look at the real issue of shit and then just generalize it. And right. that'll be that. Yeah. Just like video games lead to violence. Yeah, I mean, how many people are going out and shooting places? Well, they are. <laughs> but, I right. mean, but, uh, it, it doesn't seem to be any different than it ever was. Right. It's just another thing that was always there, but it was never in the public eye as much. So, you know, when a news article comes along, it, may, it has that shock value to it. You're like, oh, my God, you know, I didn't know uh, white power music was being sold on the Internet and such and yeah. all that kind of shit. You know, it's just something that's a. Uh, it's not like a fresh topic, but like to the lay person, it would be something that they wouldn't understand or they wouldn't get because they just it's not in their face, so they don't realize it's there until they read the article until they're saying, "Oh shit, this company does this, and this person does that and so it's just you know and it also depends on how much the media really um blows out of proportion you know whether it's uh legit or not or just making a big deal out of you know certain uh, articles you know sometimes it's a fluff piece sometimes it's a serious piece it's just you know the media has a big play into how serious the, an article any given article is taken so i think on this one here it's um since it wasn't always out in the open it's uh they're trying to make a big deal about it now because it's on the downloading uh the itunes and all that type of thing that's in uh, today's market again you know i, I come back to bite you in the ass by saying this but who gives a fuck who you, you hate the only reason why it's getting a beef is because they are pinpointing specific racial semitic kind of things rather than generalizing like most metal does with having violent lyrics i could think of creator lyrics that are pretty you know talking about murdering a woman i mean ripping corpse mm. that 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 uh kill uh pleasure to kill you know anything that just because what because it's generalizing and, and making it more in a horror movie fashion right. that that's acceptable like so i mean i'm not trying to you know, be the voice of like, hey, you need to look even more for it and, and fuck over your metal. But it's it's everywhere is the point I'm making. Right. So like, so when just because you could put a title on it as white power, and you know, and you know, there's going to be a lot of people that that that's just for whatever reason. Well, for obvious reasons, but <laughs> right. it gets an even bigger bad rap, and it's just kind of like, well, again, you know, you gotta look into it w with more of a an educated analysis rather than just to right. jump to conclusions you know as a parent if i had a six, a six year old kid and you know i don't want him listening to you know white power shit and you know, just even as a parent i'm not gonna sit there and let my daughter you know in her young years like you know dissect and listen to cannibal corpse lyrics and stuff like that because it is a formative thing or watch bad you know horror movies that right. are grotesque you know, because I agree with that factor. But mm -hmm. if this is the only thing I read, so then the only thing that's going to stick in my mind is going to be the other bands that they mentioned that I didn't bother to read in this, and Argo Slent being racist bands, which, by the like I said, coming back to those lyrics, that didn't seem very racist at all. But then it's just going to stick in my mind, you know, right. and yeah. I'm not going to fucking know anymore. And how many articles am I going to? Am I going to just after that just go and type it in the Google? Well, shit. That maybe that one article and that guy is just is wrong. So I'm gonna look even more. Most people are just gonna read that, stick with that, fuck Argo, fuck all this shit, and then you Move know they get a bad yep, rap yep. for no reason. Yep. And that's why it's so important because 
maybe this is small beans, but this shit could really be big beans because internet music is so easily accessible. Right. So also censoring it and making it unavailable to otherwise underground independent artists who don't have that label push don't have that pr guy representing it explaining yeah. to the masses who otherwise wouldn't give argos or smaller bands the time of day to prove themselves they're just going to get shit on now we're going to have an underground market that's even harder to access in a day and age where it should be really fucking easy to access right i can see i i can personally understand limiting it uh, keeping it away from the children um, and just, you know, a lot of things are, are based on, you know, the age of 18 or 21 here in America. But to totally just not make it available to anyone, that's the censorship. That's you, you just you're taking away the option of uh, an adult making a, a choice of wanting to listen to that and having the uh, intelligence as an adult to decide what they're going to do with that information, whether they're, they're you know, just making it uh, accessible to them versus totally not ma- making it available at all. It's a really uh, fine line that um, p- the companies are walking by removing things like this and um, getting the, the censorship uh, wagon uh, up and roaring again and it's 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 kind of a scary thing looking at it in light of our end of the year special kind of episode we're going through the roster of releases that hell's headbangers has done for the year and while we're not going to be able to hit all of them we're keeping our playlist based on releases that strictly came out throughout the year and trying to keep it more so to stuff that we hadn't played before. So here's something that's one of the freshest releases releases on Hell's Headbangers is Perdition Temple with their latest output, a 7-inch titled Sovereign of the Desolate. It is available on Hell's Headbangers now. All copies are pressed on colored vinyl, and it includes a lyric sheet. Uh, this contains members of Immolation, Angel Corpse, Black Witchery, and, uh, well, we'll let the song tell you the rest. Here's Perdition Temple with The Tempters Victorious.
666 with Australian and Antichrist. That was off their album Unchained the Wolves. Unchained the Wolves LP has just come out on Hell's Headbangers and is available now and soon to be on CD reissue as well. So a lot of magazines, shows, or just articles in general usually do a top 10 or top releases of the year and usually it's a guy that you probably know of listing shit off and you know that's cool and all but most of the time it just lists off a bunch of stuff that you either don't know about or just kind of it's just that bland just like i like this release and it's like well 
a little bit more would be better. And so I figured I'll put a little bit of a spin on that and keep him with the top of the year to sit down with the owners of Hell's Headbangers, each one of them, and ask them what they had as a top five pick. And so I've sat, I sat down with all three, collect their thoughts, and uh, share with the Hellcast world from each owner of Hell's Headbangers the top five releases for 2014. This is Justin from Hell's Headbangers. I am the uh, warehouse manager for my top five. Number one would be um, two and one would be the uh, Centurions. They did uh, we did uh, two albums on vinyl and CD. The mini LP, A Purest Fire, and then the full length Corazon of Chaos Gods. I mean, to this day, actually, yeah, I don't know which one I like more. I like them both for different reasons a lot. I mean, the Purest Fire was a lot more raw. Corazonic had a lot of had more songs. Every song being very strong. So it's a little hard to pick. Well, that was actually supposed to be coming out years ago. We, uh, it was actually me that wanted out. I contacted uh, Full Moon Productions. John. Full Moon did the originals, right? Yeah, Full Moon originally did them on CD only. And my initially what I wanted to do was vinyls for them. Oh, so this was the first time it ever came out on vinyl. Yep, very first time it ever came out on vinyl. The only reason we did the CDs is because, long story short, is I think it was like 2005 is when I contacted John the Knob from uh, Full Moon Productions. <laughs> Basically, uh, it was just one of those hey, things. John. <laughs> it was one of those things, you know, uh, he says yes, and then you never hear back from him. He did. I will give him one thing. He did send us the original blood art for uh, Corazonic Chaos Gods. And uh, so it just took forever. It took years, you know, from 2000. I think it was 2005. It might even be as early as 2004, 2006, the latest. But somewhere in that time frame is when it was talked about us releasing them. And he just never got a hold of them and whatnot. And then uh, I re-brought it back up, maybe 2012. Chase ended up getting a hold of them, trying to email him. And he got a hold of them successfully. And then the way the CDs came about, we uh, posted it on our site saying uh, that we're going to release these. And uh, Rob from Centurion contact and saying yo whoa, what the fuck you know i didn't get any wind of this i'm rob from centurion is like hey i don't know john from full moon who says he has full ownership of it um also john gave the rights to the release within the band had no idea no idea yeah they had no idea now whether you, usually you just run with that because according to john that he they had full ownership of the music right who knows if that was true or not i, I actually don't remember if they showed us any contracts or not but anyway uh rob was cool about everything and he, he wanted to see that I was out he was just kind of like peace of mind you know can i get some copies and you know, they, that he can have some sand layout and whatnot. And, you know, the CDs were obviously totally out of print at that point. It's like, you know, well, while we're reissuing the LPs, why not uh, reissue the CDs as well and uh, have an improved layout? Especially the uh, A Purist Fire, because it's got a lot of unreleased photos that I'd never seen prior to that. And the original A Purist Fire was just bare bones. It was just, you opened it up. It was uh, no lyrics. Yeah, it has lyrics this time, too, for the first time. Purist Fire lyrics were never released. So that's really cool, too. Well, and on those, then, the picture disc... The dish, it was just the picture discs on both of them. Those were considered to be the, the special editions. Yeah, like the diehards, because I wanted to do, me personally, I'm a, I'm a picture disc fan, and uh, that's why we do sometimes picture discs and do only 100, because I think, for whatever reason, uh, picture discs tend to not sell as well. So if you're pressing a vinyl, it's sometimes you can do only 100 copies. So it's like make the rare one the picture disc. Yeah, I think Picture Disc is cool as fuck. I mean, especially if you really like the album, why would you not want it on Picture Disc? Especially yeah. if it has cool cover art. Like, it's kind of cool. Um, so we did the first 100 on Picture Disc, and then the rest were on colored vinyl. So I just really wanted that for myself. I really wanted those on Picture Disc, so I really made sure to push for that, which happened. And, uh, yeah, everything that I wanted to see happen, happen just took nine fucking years. 
Number two for me as well would be, uh, which also took years to do, come, is uh, Embalmer, There Was Blood Everywhere. And we did just a vinyl release of that, an LP. And again, a hundred picture disc, which the picture disc uh, was pretty elaborate. And um, Balmer for me, uh, yeah, it's definitely on my number two list because uh, I was always a huge fan of that CD. That CD originally came out on uh, Relapse Records. And it's actually a lot of people don't know that, well, at least I assume a lot of the people I've talked to, a lot of people, including myself actually for a little while, always thought that that was just an album. And that's actually not an album. It's their, uh, There Was Blood Everywhere 7-inch. And then their uh, second demo, uh, Rotten Body Fluids. So it's basically a compilation CD. I, for a lot, long time, I thought just it was never going to happen. I never even talked about it. Bro. I was just out of sight. I was like, oh, it's never going to happen. These guys, they just, band members can't get along or whatever. So to see them finally come out, uh, yeah, that definitely would be my second uh, favorite. I always consider that album, I guess it's probably like a Death Grind album. But as a, it, when I was listening as a kid, I always considered it like a Gore Grind album. And in my, it was one of my favorite Gore Grind albums because... For me, I just always, what really stood out to me was the vocals. I thought that the, uh, it wasn't like just another band trying to sing like Carcass. Yeah. It was uh, real over the top, especially with the real highs and screams, and that's why I just thought it was cool as fuck, and it was like, it was like aggressive gore grind in a way, as opposed to most gore grind, it was just like, just brutal, you know what I mean, or just, you know, guttural. Uh, I think they really stood out, and they're just like, holy shit, uh, was really good in that sense, so that's why I always uh, really like that disc. Number three would be uh, all around a reissue because uh, it has been on vinyl before. You're all about the reissues. <laughs> uh, yeah, to, to an extent. I mean, yeah, because a lot of it's just stuff that I've been uh, you know listening to for a while. So it's kind of cool to see finally come out because, as most people uh, understand this, maybe the younger guys will not understand quite yet, but will learn to. It's usually what you heard first or early on is what you like the most. Yeah. So a lot of this shit is the stuff that I got into really early on of, of being in the metal. Centurion and Balmer just so happen to be. And this other one is, yeah, pretty early on, within the last first four years or so, I'd say, is the uh, Destroyer 666 on Chain the Wolves. Off the top of my head, someone's asked me, I definitely would say that it's my uh, my all-time favorite album to come out of Australia. Uh, like I said, if I was to really sit down and think about it and look at all the albums from Australia, I was like, maybe I'd have a different answer. But right off the top of my head, if someone's asked me, you need to give me an immediate answer, what's your favorite album out of Australia? That's the one that comes to mind. Us being able to have the honor to reissue it, because it did come out on vinyl when, uh, when did it originally come out on vinyl? Who even put it out? I believe it was Merciless Records. Merciless? I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Merciless. Because actually, I do have the original LP and picture Not this. Modern Invasion? Maybe the, it was the, Modern. The, it was either Modern Invasion or Merciless. I, honestly, I, I have the uh, original LP and picture this. I haven't looked at them in years because, no, they're just in my collection. And usually when I listen to it, it's usually on CD in the car or whatever. Um, but I haven't, I haven't looked at the actual LP in, in, in a while. Um, well, that was what them. was different about this one is the cover was... Different. Uh, different yeah yeah that's what was cool because it i mean reissuing it number one it kind of needed to be because there's a lot of newer fans or even people that just missed out because i want to say there's only 500 of those made so a lot of people still want it on vinyl vinyl so there's a high demand for that record on vinyl and ours is really different the cover's different it's on a gatefold cover this time it wasn't initially on a gatefold cover and uh, it's got a lot of unreleased photos and stuff like that so it's a totally different revamped uh, layout so there's all the reason in the world to own both the original pressing and the hell's pressing if you're a fan of that album i've always liked destroyer 666 i like everything by the band but that just so happens to be my favorite record by them and i think a lot i think a lot of people uh have that same opinion it's just an all-around really good 
you know, death black metal album is what I consider it, you know, um, musical wise. Number four is uh is not a re-release. Uh, hey. It's actually uh yeah it's a brand new album that we just did a CD of the Lurking Corpses working for the devil. I just always really liked the band Lurking Corpses. Uh, so that's there's no other reason other than that. I just think they're a really good band. I think they're a really underrated band. Every record by them I like, and uh, this one there's there was no exception. Just yeah, it was it thought it was really good, and then so no other reason than I just think it's a they're a killer combination of metal and punk. Um, was there any kind of worry that because they have uh, such a diverse range and to me I thought on on the newest album granted I liked it that it had a little it touched on a poppier side that they never really went to before and granted I guess when you sign and agree to doing a release you don't always know what the band's going to give you in the end and you can't exactly back out if it's you know if it's totally sucks ass which this obviously didn't but is was there ever a concern that's like Oh shit! How are people going to react to this band on HH? No, actually, that there wasn't. I mean, may, I didn't even notice the poppy stuff too much until you actually said it to me after listening to it. And I know some songs have a little more poppy stuff on it. It seems like any time I meet a new person, no one's either a never heard of them or b never heard them. But every single person I ever told them about, they always like them. Seem very enthusiastic too when liking. It's it's either yeah I've I've never really heard like eh. I've always heard that it was like I really didn't like that or. That was really like just yeah, really people, fucking yeah, honestly, excited everyone, about. Everyone I've ever told them about them, they they it wasn't just like yeah, it was, it was good, you know, you, you know, whatever. I picked up the CD. I mean, they really liked them. Like they're really excited, really liked them. That's how I was, and so that's why I was confident too. Because it's just that's why I think they're underrated. Because um, it just seems like anytime I bring it up to somebody, everybody really really likes them. And then last uh, but certainly not least is uh, Cemetery Lost. They they're a band that sent a promo to how Hell's Headbangers just hey, you want to put out our stuff, and I thought they were really good. The new album, Orgies of Abomination? Uh, yeah, it was actually their first album they sent a CDR of. And then, they, but HH did. Yeah, and then we did Orgies, the second album, yeah. And actually, we're supposed to uh, uh, put out the first album on vinyl and uh, and on CD as well because the band self released the first album and it was on a CDR. Funny thing with that one was is uh, they sent it to us. I really liked it. Um, Chase briefly heard it while we were rearranging shop one day. And uh, Eric liked it, and it just it kind of got forgot about. It, to be honest, it really kind of got forgot about. It was I told Chase to contact the band because, you know, I'm usually on the warehouse, and he usually contacts most of the bands as is and set up the band contracts. So I told him to contact him. I think it just you know got lost in the works, kind of forgot about it. And the way it got rebrought up is was 2013 uh, Maryland Death Fest. Um, Dylan from from the band came up to us. He started talking to us, and he said he was in a band, and, hey, we interested in stuff or whatever. And I asked him what band he is, and he told me Cemetery Lost. I was like, oh, shit, man, I absolutely love your band. And that's how we got re-in-touch. And I'm like, I told this guy here, pointing to Chase, it's like, to contact you. <laughs> so he must never have. So, you know, I never heard from him. And then, obviously, he stayed in contact, and that's how that came about. But I just thought they were a really good band. I actually parked them next to uh, their style, their music, not because I think it sounds like it. I think it's more so the uh, just the feel that they give off reminds me of uh, Necrophils, a band who I'm a big fan of. Yeah, uh, they definitely well. don't sound like. Yeah, they just give me the same type of feel. Maybe it's that sleazy feeling that almost, but not not, not midnight type sleazy, but just that uh, I don't know, you know, that just that uh, vile. Uh, yeah, so I mean, that's that pretty much wraps up my list. You know what I would say for my top five. You got the top five. Now we're gonna do the top one because this is the band that's gonna, we're actually gonna play. <laughs> okay, yeah, top one. Honestly, the uh, list I gave you, I, I, that probably would be in the order that it, that it is. I mean, so if I had to pick the top one, would be Centurion. So if you want to play something from them, I would just pick the um, first track off uh, A Purest Fire, uh, the song Hell at Last, you know, intro and all. 
I always thought the intro builds it up to that song. Uh, I think it gives it a, a real uh, e- evil flavor. And then I think it's a great song, the song Hell at Last. Well, here it is with the evil flavor. Spectare navicola suavis. Spectare ordeo suavis. Spectare. Yeah.
Eric. I am one of the three owners of uh, Hell's Headbangers. My title mostly is the uh, graphic arts department, handling a lot of the layouts and doing a lot of the administrative stuff too that goes with the label, but that's really not really that interesting to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> when I look back on 2014, it's definitely a pretty good span of releases that came out, like Centurion. I can remember back in early 2000s when we met, it was uh, Patrick and Seth. They were touring with Severe Torture, and back then we were just young fans and had them sign our stuff. So we're hanging out, going to their shows. Here we are in 2014 then. We were putting those records, we're re-releasing those uh, on CD and vinyl. And uh, it's exciting to you know touch base with them again and uh, to put those out under our name because they were always personal favorites then and all these and to the and just the way they were done was always lacking information layout wise you know they were missing lyrics and um, lots of photos which are now included and uh, I don't know I think we gave them more of the uh, the justice they deserve um, you know for personal favorites. And then doing those diehards, you know, I always have fun with the diehards, as daunting as a task as they usually are, trying to come up with something and to actually make it work. And by the diehard, you mean the uh, the pictures version that came out, because it was what, limited to 100 or 100 and some change? Yeah, just, yeah, the 100, like 111. And yeah. uh, like uh, Up Pierce Fire, that was, what, a burnt Bible pages and then burnt cover. Correct. You know, and it, you know, it's easy just to sit around and have an idea and say, well, you know, that sounds cool. But then once you actually start doing, you're like, man, this is getting, this is a little tougher than I thought. And I didn't think of this. I didn't think of that. Like, you know, it was, <laughs> I mean, as soon as I told Centurion, I was like, Hey, what about a, a burnt cover for a Pierce fire? And, you know, they're all thumbs up and, you know, just let us run with it, which I love that creative freedom, you know, be able to work with bands behind the scenes of that though. You know, so I'm getting a candle in here trying to just get a constant flame going trying to burn these things and you would think well it's how hard can it be to burn a cover but believe it or not it was actually quite daunting so a candle now turned into a blowtorch <laughs> to uh you know to have to uh, light these things and um you know make it productive too because otherwise it would have taken us a, a century if we would have stuck with the candle approach a centurion <laughs> So, you know, it was, you know, it was that, and then it was got, it was getting messy with all the ash and then, um, having to like, you know, you, you light it and then you have to wear, you know, a glove or something and put it out. So you just kind of get the smoldering ash look effect that was, you know, put into that cover. Well, the, uh, insert was burnt too, right? Cause it had an insert. It had an insert. We didn't burn the insert. We figured the cover was, you know, was, uh, was good enough. You and then the Bible pages. And then we, yeah, we, then we burnt the Bible and just tore our pages and just crumbled them in there. So it's, it's really just... Uh, a product of hell, I guess. You know, it just came out of the ashes of the fire, and you know, here's, here it is. You know, my Bible burning days have been a, a long time since, but I remember the pages going up pretty easily on those. <laughs> yeah, that part wasn't too was not difficult. It was just very messy. You know, ashes everywhere and such, um, and then just crumbling up and meticulously putting them in there because you don't want to dirty up the record. And, and you know, I mean, it's still very messy. If you, you know, if anyone that has one, it's going to take it apart. But you know, that's the whole point of the diehards. They're not meant to be very easy. They're more or less just say uh, a very unique collectors. Well, it's better than getting piece. a patch or something. Just well, yeah, 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 just yeah, trying yeah. to just trying to raise the bar. Just trying to be, just trying to take that spirit of enthusiasm for a record you really like. And just I think everyone has this my mind's eye image of how they feel about a record. And when you try to you know translate that into an art form. 
Um, this is what some of these diehards have turned out to be. You know, when I think of a purist fire, you know, okay, what can I do with fire? You know? Yeah. So there's, that's just, you know, how my creativity goes. What about the blood with Car and Zonic? I don't even know what that now means. That, <laughs> yeah. The, it's, so the Corazon of Chaos Gods. Now that one was more challenging because initially it's, again, my simple mind is, all right, well, you know, uh, Corazon of Chaos Gods, the front cover to any who are, don't realize it, that was, you know, a, a blood painting done by Rob. And um, he's one of the members of the band. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, I really, I immediately just jumped on that and I was like, okay, what can we do with blood and real blood? I wanted to use real blood. I did start with real blood. It just wasn't translating well. You know, when I smeared on top of that already blood cover, you couldn't really tell that there was any blood even added. And then, Hmm. and then it's going to stink. And then the biggest (laughs) problem was, well, where can I even get, you know, gallons and gallons of blood? After the fact, I was able to find a source, but in the moment I was unable to find a source. Uh, Eventually we just went with fake blood. It, it, It gave the illusion that, you know, what we're going for. So what kind of blood did you start using when you said you use real blood to start? I just grabbed some like, you know, meat from my freezer and just, you know, took the blood from oh. that just in a small jar, you yeah. know, and just to test it out. Maybe it's like watered down or something from could have been, being could frozen have been. or something. Could have been. But either way, the, the, the point is, is like, you know, every idea or every diehard we've ever done over the past, you know, 15, 14 years we've been doing this always requires, you know, trying it and testing it and seeing what's going to work out. Cause every idea, you know, is, is easy to have, but putting them forward, you just run into unforeseen, you know, problems. The video was fun. And, and then, yeah, the videos <laughs> then, yeah. Doing, making the videos of these diehards has been fun now too. You know, it's you know, that Bible. Yeah, exactly. The Spanish Bible or whatever. Yeah, well, that, that's funny. Yeah. It was a Spanish Bible. Cause that's how, believe it or not, it was so difficult to find a Bible to purchase. I yeah. guess, uh, maybe that's a good thing. There's less religious people out there. <laughs> <laughs> Would have thought I've been pretty, yeah, really damn easy. No, I, I was going to, you know, all the, the local stores I could to grab a Bible and no one stocked Bibles. Huh. And then we found, you know, we found that at a, uh, a thrift store, that Bible, and it was a Spanish speaking Bible, but <laughs> it's still, Hey, it, the language doesn't matter. It's just, uh, you know, the content. So <laughs> the figured, quick edit. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we went with a Spanish speaking Bible. Oh, we wanted to get it out of there from all languages. <laughs> exactly. You know, we want to make sure we offend everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so number two, maybe midnight, actually, I, the new record we did. No um, mercy for mayhem. Correct. No mercy. What I enjoyed about being able to uh, contribute on that record was the photography side of it. You know, Athenar needed some some band photos you know he delivered some some photos that um you know, one of the other members took and i was like you know it's a cool concept and such but i was like they're really just you know the the, um, the lighting was really bad and just the um just the setup and the, the shots and the angles could have been better you know so i was like you know i i, I see where you're going with this and if you give me the opportunity i i really think i can make these better you know he's like i think it'd be really worth the effort and the time to just reshoot these you know and you know he, he thought about it and uh decided like you know let's let's uh all right, let's do a second shoot. You know, you want to come up and bring your stuff and let's see what we can do. And uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. You know, it was really just all off the cuff. We just kind of, we did that just in a stairwell to um, the other member's attic. Uh, lighting that I brought didn't, wasn't going to work out. So he actually just had like a very large floodlight that he, cause he was like remodeling his attic. And we just shot that on there really harsh. Uh, cause I was trying to go for like a, yeah, like a little bit of a shadow and whatnot. And then um, his girlfriend is the one that, you know, helped out with the, um, not Athenar's girlfriend, though. No, no, not Athenar's girlfriend. One of the other members' uh, girlfriend. So it was just you know the three of the four of us, I should say. You know, just uh, just you know being silly and playing, messing around with different poses, and uh, 
yeah, really, I was really happy the way those turned out. I haven't really done many photo shoots and, and been able to, you know, publish them on anything. So that was fun. Yeah, it's usually, it's, it could suck in the moment, but it's actually when it's all said and done, it's kind of like, it's right. more rewarding than I had all this, you know, this thousands of dollars worth of equipment and it took me five minutes. Correct. Yeah. And, and you know what? So that lends me into my next photo shoot, which was um, on the uh, Burn the Cross Nunslaughter. Uh, picture this that just came out actually that was re reissue right reissue and and i'm I'm glad we re uh, reissued it and um it has a whole new look and everything because you know what we have now is i think a lot better i mean just like anything you know it's like when it comes to the creativity the usually the first time you do something you're like oh, i i want to redo it or do it better i think you know musicians do that all the time you know want to be demo tracks now they want to re-record them and such you know so <laughs> i know a guy pretty well <laughs> That was a horrible night having to shoot those. I shot them in my backyard. It was the absolute coldest day it could possibly be. It was like sub-zero that day. Um, but it just conveniently worked out that everyone could get together on that day. It was actually a second shoot. First time we shot, we were trying to burn crosses. And you would think, uh, how hard can that be? Again, we just we had some lighter fluid. Uh, we just doused down the crosses, and they just would not light. I, they, really? uh, yeah, we, we couldn't get them lit. You know, we weren't prepared for the first time. So everyone came out and they were like, well, this is a waste. We got to, we got to replan this. So we planned a second shoot. It was like in February, 2014. And it was, yeah, probably, I think it was like 10 below. It was one of those days where it was like just painful to go outside cold. Yeah. Last year was freaking Well, yeah, this year or <laughs> earlier in the year, it was freaking ridiculous. It's like, all right, well, we're just going to suck it up and do it. So what we did is we just, we did most of our planning and like, we just stayed in the garage and then it's like, all right, let's run out there and hurry up and, you know, you know shoot this and believe it or not uh if anyone you know any photographers that you know they're always interested in how things are shot um luckily i had a power outlet that was you know near the um the area outside and i actually put up a couple um tripods with red lights on them just to put a little foreground lighting in there because although we had a fire in the background anyone that's ever tried to shoot outside in a fire usually you end up with like a little silhouette like the person's like all dark in the front and you just kind of see like edges of their body because you really have no foreground lighting you have just background lighting so I already knew that ahead of time. So, but again, I'm out here in sub-zero weather, setting up these tripods. My my fingers feel like they're ready to fall off, and then you know everyone's you know dancing around waiting for, you know to get their their shots done here because it's you know it's fucking cold. And one thing that irks me about that whole um, setup then was then because I was rushing through it so fast. I wish I would have positioned everyone a little bit differently, like the orientation of them. Um, the orientation we have worked, but I, you know, I, in, in hindsight, I, I have, I could have done better. That's so, how it always goes though. Yeah, it does. And it, it's just one of my personal peeves as I look at these shots. I'm like, oh, I could have done better with those. I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> so, oh, well, you know, that's what we got. And it's still a lot better than the original. Well, but, the next edition. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's just, let's just leave it at two. <laughs> <laughs> so number four, again, goes into another diehard and that was the embalmer. Again, that was a long time favorite you know um as a fan again it's like i couldn't we couldn't pass up the opportunity to be to put out that record and not do a diehard and it's just a great title you know there was blood everywhere i mean we've got to have fun with that the first thing i jumped to is what could we do with a meat cleaver because that's the one of the biggest features on the cover it was difficult trying to find meat cleavers that are affordable like to get a hundred of those you know i found a guy on ebay that would sell them wholesale for kind of you know reasonable uh, so that was challenging. Uh, and then what do you do with it? I mean, I, that was the biggest part. For the, those not familiar, what did you end up doing? I did kind of a, a combination. You know, those LP mailers, they're just like a tuck and fold. Mm-hmm. Rather than trying to get like a clamshell box that, you know, sets come in, uh, it made sense to go that direction more because we were able to then, you know, print on it 
and we were able to um, attach this blade, uh, which is really hot glue. I was very surprised. I didn't think that was going to hold as well as it did. And then we just splattered the hell out of it with blood. I think it's kind of a little bit different. And we had to put some little Velcro strips on it to keep it, you know, open and closed. That was very labor intensive, doing all those different uh, stages. Was it a freezer meat blood on this one? Freezer meat? No, 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 no. <laughs> just, fake blood was the more practical approach on this one. Number five. Well, I mean, again, this was no particular order, but one that comes to my mind is actually the organ fanzine. Uh, that was just a very long process to get that out. So thanks for your patience, putrid. <laughs> but also, you know, it was, it was a combination. I would say half time was him and half time was me. What he sent us was all like 11, 17 sheets. And it was all done by hand. Every, everything was just clipped out, drawn on there, written in by hand. Amazing. And it was just... Well, it was just really impressive to flip through those sheets. We had to scan all those sheets in, and then they all needed editing in some way or another because he had, you know, little uh, crop marks or the paper had like blue construction lines on there to help set up your pages and stuff. And, you know, I didn't want, you know, blue, all these little lines and stuff all over everything. So I had to, you know, edit those things out and maybe adjust some contrast on some stuff and, you know, little things like that. And then the page order was, was very daunting. You oh, know, God. He, he did send a sample one that he made at Kinko's, and I was under the impression, you know, this is this, this is the page order no well no yeah not at all it was it there was uh, once once i once we finally got together on skype and we were both looking at this thing he's it's like oh well yeah you know i'm sorry there's you know people are always looking through these pages and not putting them back in order and then you know when i made that sample certain parts were not done so i didn't include them in that sample so it was like it was just all this back and forth and, and him just going off memory as to what, how it was meant to flow and what order and everything so yeah putting all those pages in order was was very yeah, it was, was, took a lot There's of time. There's like, what, 120-some? Yeah, it's only 120, which is, I guess not, yeah, it's really... I don't think that's only when you're working on it, though. It's yeah, fuck, it, 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 sounds, it sounds like a small number from a book perspective. Anyone that's worked on books, they can kind of be a pain in the ass, so... How long did you think, would you say it took you to do one page? I mean, I think maybe five minutes or so, but you multiply that and then... So it wasn't long, but it just, you know, it was just very tedious and just monotonous to, to, to work on. Huh. There was just a lot of um, management to it. It just dragged it out. If you look at the cover, I think it says issue 2011 or something like that. It's like yeah. <laughs> not even relevant at all. <laughs> so, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm happy it's out and, you know, we'll do number two, I'm sure. It's going to be monthly, right? I wouldn't say monthly. <laughs> <laughs> the video on that was a little racy. I, I didn't appreciate that man ass in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're not about, uh, you know, uh, we don't have a lot of manners. <laughs> <laughs> so g going through your top five, you're going to pick a release and play a song from it. Let's just go with uh, an old one then for a, of that list, and that would be Embalmer. Let's go with track two, the, the Necrofiling Cabinet. Here it is. <laughs>
is Chase from Hell's Headbangers. A majority of my duties include distribution for our releases and stocking the web store. I also handle the new label signings and the issues that come about with managing the bands and the projects for the Hell's Headbangers label aspect. I also handle some of the website-related matters and various behind-the-scenes administrative work and accounting and stuff like that, kind of more mundane aspects of of the company. For 2014, it was a pretty hectic year. Seeing it all written down on paper, though, it wasn't as uh, hectic as it was in my mind. Yeah, we we did have quite a few releases here come out, and I have to say one of my top favorites was the High Spirits album, You Are Here. I thought it was uh, a bit different for us out of all these years. Um, The band calls their style of music high energy rock and that's pretty much what you get with that one was there ever really like a kind of a concern how that would be received with uh customers and stuff slightly i mean uh, i think the band was more concerned than we were or at least i was uh i kind of already was following the band with their previous outputs and yeah, you know, we've been always carrying it in the distro so i had a feeling how the response would be to begin with and uh, one of the, the band had some specific requests in terms of uh, the overall packaging and aesthetic. Uh, basically, we did not put our inverted cross logo and just kind of kept it simple, just plain text, which uh, fit the entire layout scheme. Anyways, Chris Black—that's his—it's uh, like his solo project. Basically, he does Dawnbringer and Super Christ, who's also another band that has been on uh, Hell's Headbangers before. So he's a metal guy doing a rock band that uh, kind of want to see the response with our crowd and overall he said uh on this last tour that he noticed more black death style fans coming out and it's pretty cool to hear that they're definitely appealing to, to metal crowd and i think that's their biggest following is from the metal crowd not so much some sort of indie rock scene or whatever you know puts a different spin on things rather than just you know always being what you expect and keeps people on their toes a little bit or shows the diversity that between justin and eric they came on the show before talking about the, the beginnings of Hell's Headbangers, it lives up to the title, you know, Hell's, Hell's Headbangers and kind of diversifies things and stuff. Yeah, yeah, not to mention, um, you know, back then, uh, you know, your taste and interest in things grow over time. And, you know, that was about 15 years ago when we started. So I would never at that time thought we'd be doing a, a high energy rock album on the label. But, yeah, I wouldn't seek out bands that are uh, playing that style that aren't really done by like metal people so to speak but uh but yeah for the most part i think it was a cool one to throw at people and yeah we've done that before with some of the other stuff like uh lurking corpses or vladimir's like those are kind of oddball releases for the label but moving on to number two destroyer 666 unchain the wolves album both an honor to do that but also a relief to finally have it out you know we talked about it with uh kk Warslut for at least a decade i would have to say you know it was brought up very long time ago early on in the label and i was shocked he was even giving us the time of day to even entertain the idea of us re-releasing that album because for me it's a very good modern classic or very representative album of what's come out of australia in the last you know 15 years or so and uh, you know mid 90s up till now even so they've kind of been the forefront of it all and prior to that we were just doing we just did their other albums on picture discs which turned out really cool and really nice with new artwork and all that uh, but this time around, we were able to get the license for uh, a CD reissue of it, which is still in the works. That'll be available in January on our website. We also did a, a pro cassette and, and then, of course, the LP that I'm talking about. And for whatever reason, I guess none of us thought to actually do a picture disc of it. It actually just dawned on me now as we're talking about it. And I'm actually sort of kicking myself because the artwork's very uh, fitting, I think. Was it uh, the band's idea to do a different alternate cover or was that kind of something that hh brought about that was kk's idea i'm generally not a fan of uh new artwork on reissues or represses i like to kind of just keep 
original artwork and you know similar packaging maybe adjust the layout to improve things for a reason he wanted to yeah change the artwork and so he hired that art that artist that goes by by the letter z you know he's done some other bigger names too and i actually like his style a lot that was part of what we wrestled with even on the other albums like cold steel and phoenix rising though those picture lps were a bit of a clusterfuck I, I actually forget how many different artists we've gone through over the years trying to get those ones out and then once kk was happy with those two releases he just uh hired the guy to do the unchain the wolves album as well and to my understanding that he's just going to keep using that particular artist even on you know like later releases or the next full length or whatever if they ever actually do one so the third one i would have to say um children of technology the future decay album we just did a cd of it yeah, i think i remember them telling me hey we're working on a second album do you guys want to do it but a couple of years ticked by and they sort of just kind of came out of nowhere with that one saying hey album's done we have it coming out on lp through uh a newer label called what is it ripping storm yeah ripping storm they did a you know had an lp come out and he's like hey you guys want to do a cd of it and it, was all, it all seemed pretty, that project overall seemed kind of rushed. The quality of the music, I thought, was was very good. It was better than all their other stuff, which I tend to get skeptical when bands go on to their second album and certainly a third or even a fourth album. I'm usually kind of bored. So I was very pleased that they, uh, they did a really good job on the second one. I, th- I thought they had a really sort of interesting production. Uh, I thought it was just really fitting for their, their songs. They're more of a, a metal punk style, and they're actually probably one of my favorites that play that style amongst the bands that are on our label doing more of the motor charge metal punk sort of speak stuff number four um the midnight album the no mercy for mayhem that would be their uh second full-length studio album we had the audio for that album like over a year prior we started promoting no mercy for mayhem back in probably march of 2013 we had a song evil like a knife appear on our compilation number six the one with the show no mercy tribute artwork on the front like always delays come about and generally are out of our hands and uh Athenar wanted to master it differently he went through like seven or eight different masters over the course of a year and a half to finally get us a final audio master audio that we could manufacture and after hearing those songs through several different versions i could say they've held up very well for me just hearing them in different forms and stuff i would have to say they're you know, very solid songs very memorable very very much uh, like the first album satanic royalty i would still have to side with the earlier ep material the, the pre-satanic royalty material i thought that was i tend to find myself reaching for that stuff a little more than the studio albums but uh yeah i think i'm kind of the minority on that though um uh, the majority of the people picking up Midnight tend to be going after the Satanic Royalty album and then now this No Mercy for Mayhem. So yeah, they've been doing some cool stuff. They just completed a tour with Danzig. Well, I say that with quotation marks around it because there's only like three or four dates. But uh, He handpicked them himself, didn't Danzig? Yeah, yeah. Danzig handpicked Midnight. He's He's got a, a weird approach from what I've learned. He likes to... Uh, he actually has been, for the last few years, uh, I don't know, 2010, 2011... Uh, 2009, somewhere around there, he he tried getting them to to go out on the road with him, and uh, you know, Midnight's always had other stuff going on. You know, in my opinion, lower caliber shows that he probably, you know, I think uh, <laughs> probably should have said, "Hey, I got this, mid, you know, this Danzig offer. I'll see you guys later," and, and ditch that. But no, he kind of was always always busy with smaller bullshit shows, so to speak. And um, uh, finally, this time, he. Uh, was able to kind of go out and do some dates with, with Danzig, and uh, I thought that was kind of a cool thing. I like the fact that he made Danzig wait. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, made Danzig wait and wasn't really getting all uh, <laughs> into it, but he wasn't like 
you know, fucking all, you know, overly excited either. I mean, it's just kind of a cool opportunity. And I can't really say that most of our bands get those opportunities. So when that was brought to the table, I was like, I was kind of pushing them saying, Hey, like, you know, we got this new album coming out in the summer here and, you know, no, no mercy for mayhem. And I told him, Hey, if Danzig approaches you for like the fourth time now, make sure you fucking clear your schedule and try and do some <laughs> dates with them. Cause I think that'd be a very good, uh, you know, good promotion for the album, a new different crowd in that. And from what I understand, it went over pretty good for number five, Nunslaughter's Angelic Dread album. Can't necessarily say I didn't know what to expect because it's not like they've really changed much and they've, they've had, you know, a ton of singles, EPs, seven inches, whatever you want to refer to them as. Um, for whatever reason, I just wasn't sure what to expect, but, you know, on a full length from them, because it seems like the band themselves never really know how to approach a full length. Well, I may or may have not experienced an album experience with the band, but yeah, it, it seems to be uh, more, well, any album, albums for any band, really, it's, I don't know, it might, must be just the pressure that kind of goes with an album and the fact that a label can market a little bit more. You, you're just under a little bit more pressure, so you put more effort into it and and maybe sometimes that's a detriment to some bands and especially a band of that you know their stature that always just puts out seven inches and stuff you know maybe it feels like oh shit like now we're really like you know got it's like a different atmosphere you got to focus on it differently i mean i think albums kind of move differently too you know you got to try to keep someone's attention for uh you know 30 plus minutes as opposed to eight or so for an ep so yeah and the interesting thing about that is um they kind of came up with an idea of going in the back catalog of the eps and re-recording songs off of their various seven inches from over the years and just recording them in a studio you know my first initial thought was god damn who needs that you know i mean people are already confused by the nunslar discography with <laughs> you know um just various uh, i mean i'm definitely probably more in tune than the average fan in terms of like you know, how the discography, like what's actually on particular releases, but it's a very common misconception that all the band does is put out live and rehearsal and uh, just bullshit recordings. But I think that's very far from the truth. But when he was telling me for some reason, it kind of seemed sort of unappealing to me, but then he's like, Oh, you know, kind of like how Venom do with the cast and stone. Like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Actually. Cause I've always actually liked that bonus disc and I probably play that bonus disc more than, the cast and stone album itself and now they know if that was kind of what happened with this angelic dread like i found myself listening to the bonus disc a lot more than the you know the new the new songs and that's not because the new songs suck i thought they were actually really freaking good um i thought the the sound was better uh professional sounding for for nunslaughter it shows them with i don't know a sound that could appeal to more metal fans across the board where uh, right the recordings are kind of all over the place for some are ultra raw where there's no way you know someone that listens to like cannibal corpse or something you know would probably find their raw recordings to be total ass or the flip yeah. side it could even get some kid that uh, heard those that the recording of that uh the seven inch stuff and then realized that that you know those were re-recordings and then ventured out to hear the originals and then finds like you know since he knows those songs better now from a studio perspective and hears them more raw he can kind of the, his ear can adjust and you know appreciate more raw stuff and you know kind of get into that world yeah yeah exactly yeah it's a good way to lure them in and uh i might be the only person that thinks that i don't know i actually haven't really heard any feedback about that bonus disc or at least i haven't been really paying attention to what other people's opinion was about it out of your top five what, what band and what song would you play you should put on this song called blackout it's by children of technology off the future decay album here it is
2014 with the Hell's Headbangers release schedule in a few minutes or less. Kicking off with the brand new album releases. May 5th, we saw High Energy Rock with the band High Spirits with their album You Are Here. June 20th led to some death metal damnation with Centurion, Karnzonic Chaos Gods, and Centurion, a purest fire. July 18th was a motor-charged thrashing crust with Children of Technology's Future Decay album. August 6th was a day of sleazy death thrash with Cemetery Lust, Orgies of Abomination. Soon after August 8th, Devil Metal Legends Nunslaughter released their new album, Angelic Dread. Then on August 18th, Chilean Black Death Occultism, Force of Darkness, Absolute Verb of Chaos. The long wait was finally over on August 29th with the hooded black heavy metalists Midnight, No Mercy for Mayhem, accompanied by a maniacal black metal death, Sacral Curse, with their album Unholier Master. September 24th. Chilean Black Death Occultism came back again. Force of Darkness, Darkness Revelation, Metal Horror Punk, The Lurking Corpses, Working for the Devil album, Morbid Norwegian Metal of Death, Execration, Morbid Dimensions. On that same day, much before Halloween, Heavy Metal Powerhouse, October 31, Meet Thy Maker, The Fire Awaits You, and their brand new album of this year, Bury the Hatchet. November 6th, Extreme Experimental Death Metal, Evangelist, with Rites in the Murky. November 14th, Hypnotic Satanic Black Metal, Inquisition, Invoking the Majestic Throne of Satan. And not so much a new album, but a full-on album release, meaning with CD and LP. Uh, November 21st, Destroyer 666, Unchain the Wolves. Moving on to the list of vinyl exclusive releases. January 1st, kicking off the new year. Apocalyptic Raids, Only Death is Real. On that same day, Archgoat, Surrender of Divinity, Angel Slaying, Christ Beheading, Split LP. Later on in January, on January 24th, Revenge, Victory, Intolerance, Mastery LP. Why the Thermonuclear Black Death release came about May 7th with the split release of Nile Domination and Nocturnal Damnation, split 7-inch. Bringing their high-energy rock once more, High Spirits with their self-titled EP. Then on June 11th, 
mutilated veterans with their necrocrust warhead EP. The hysteric gore deaths began on June 20th with embalmers. There was blood everywhere. August 8th, abysmal lord, storms of unholy black mass. While accompanied by the split 7-inch release of Destructor and Thronium, a prophecy of nihilism. August 11th, Funeral Circle with their self-titled album. On October 17th, the split between Witch Trap and Unslaughter. October 24th, the Hell's Headbangers compilation, volume number 7. And on that same day, Perverser and Nunslaughter split 7-inch. November 24th. Necrofilth with filling my blood with poison, and also the release of Portal, Blood of Kingu, Split 7-inch. December 12th, we saw the release of Shed the Skin, Rebirth for Brimstone, while Santa Claus said ho fucking ho with this release on December 25th, Perdition Temple, Sovereign of the Desolate, and he figured you wanted some more crude and rude speed metal with bats, primitive age, and figured it wasn't done there, and stuffed your stocking with Nunslaughter, Burn the Cross, 7-inch picture disc. Moving on to the books, July 18th, Organ Fanzine, issue number one. August 7th, Compilation of Death, issue number three. To the exclusive cassette releases, March 25th, Evil Knight, Storm Hymns of Filth. While the hypnotic satanic black metal continued once more on March 25th, Inquisition, Ominous Doctrines. Coming on the first time on cassette, August 21st, Destroyer 666, Unchain the Wolves. August 27th, Inquisition invoking the majestic throne of Satan. While on October 13th, Necrofilth, Devil's Breath, led way to the psychedelic occult doom metal release, Acid Witch, with Tannic Hallucination and Acid Witch album Stoned to wrap up the cassette exclusive releases for the year. Inquisition, Magnificent Glorification of Lucifer. The final category for the year, the Hell's Headbangers represses. August 21st, Cult de Ghoul with Spectre over Transylvania. April 7th, Empatigo, Ultimo Mondo Cannibale, double LP, their second album, Horror of the Zombies, also on double LP. August 29th, Inquisition Omnis Doctrines, available on limited edition Tomei Digipack CD. And June 25th, Inquisition Into the Infernal Regions, limited edition Tomei Digipack CD. This has been the Hell's Headbangers 2014 release schedule. Even though their name may be new, their lineup consists of a bunch of death metal veterans. Shed the Skin. Their 7-inch is now available on Hell's Headbangers. I'll let the track do the talking. Here's Rebirth Through Brimstone.
their primitive age demo that was just released on vinyl by hell's headbangers tis the season of giving and winter warmth and well bullshit oh, that good <laughs> everyone's right. looking for a handout including yeah. those guys with bells what is it the salvation army or something that they collect change and yeah uh, donations. all kinds of armies collecting <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's it's funny because to the general public, when you're standing alone, you know, walk around, obviously a metal guy. People that usually just kind of either look at you or treat you like a jackass. Yeah. Um, I noticed even last year, I was going to the grocery store. You know, it's Christmas time. Ding, ding, handing out. Hey, Merry Christmas to you. God bless you, man. To just a random guy. I'm approaching, I'm approaching, I'm approaching. Nothing. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> Looks yeah. the other way, which is great because I wasn't going to donate anyway. Sure. But I think it was Don of the Dead when uh, I used to be in Nunslaughter. We were uh, we were going somewhere to play a gig, and we were at the airport. And uh, he said, "He's like, you know, have you ever noticed that when it's just you, you're right. treated differently? Yeah. But when you're in a band, you're treated totally differently. It's like almost welcome. It's it's cool. You know, people yeah. want to like." Hey, are you guys in a band? <laughs> Specific point. Yeah. We were at the airport again. Different time. Different uh, place. But we were at the airport, sitting as a group. Four-piece band. Only three of us are sitting there hanging out. Now, there's this kind of inside joke of uh, picking out a, a, a band from your soulless. You know, I, I don't know where it comes from, but it's 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 funny, and that you know they're good they're good sports about it. Yeah. So the, the 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 joke aroused from you know when you normally you tell someone like, hey, what band are you in? And like for this case, Nunslaughter, it was like you know it's just kind of like an awkward conversation whether you're you know high in the fact or not, just being standing your ground. Well, well, fuck you, it's Nunslaughter, and you know kill nuns. Yeah. You just for the general guy or the old granny at the counter just fucking generalized you don't want to even get that yeah. look so it, the thing of it was was well you, you just tell them soulless you know they're not gonna know any other way <laughs> and it sounds it sounds that much more acceptable so you know we're having a laugh about it so finally we get to test it out on the road so there's three of us you know fourth fourth guys off doing whatever the fuck you know this african-american dude comes up at the airport 
and you know his race obviously for the bigotry out there <laughs> is important in this case because generally black guys aren't in the metal <laughs> so okay. he comes up to us and he's like hey man y'all you guys in a band and uh zach from uh, necrofilth who played guitar at the time it's like yeah he's like oh you know what band you guys in?" he's like soulless and totally out of nowhere Oh man, dude! You guys just had a CD release party at the Cleveland Agora. I, I was there. I, I was I was hoping to make it, but I, I saw it in the scene magazine. I didn't make it out. Like I really like you guys. That's so awesome. It's like wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then we you know we're sitting there laughing about it, and minutes later, fourth guy comes back, uh, Jim the drummer, and he's he's walking with this dude. And he's talking to him. You know, we, we see him coming from distance, approaches us, and he was in the middle of some conversation. He's like, yeah, so we're all in a band. He's like, you know, I do this band right here, handing him a 7-inch of one of his other bands. He's like, but we're all in a band called Nunslaughter. And, like, the guy kind of looks like the most perplexed look on his face, like, huh? Like, I thought, like, well, he didn't say it, but just like, I, I thought y'all were soulless. <laughs> the scheme backfired. <laughs> but if you were to say that around yourself, no one would be saying shit. And uh, so th this year... I'm out with my baby, walk around public, mm -hmm. looking as I always would, and all of a sudden, the fucking Salvation Army, hey, Merry Christmas, how you doing? Talking to me. <laughs> Random people coming up, hey, how you doing? Oh, what's your baby's name? It's just kind of like, I don't know, what, 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 what about my name? You don't give me, <laughs> Yeah, they <laughs> don't know, care about that. Yeah, don't fucking care about that. Just so, tell them, oh, it's Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you're all of a sudden, you're just treated differently. But then, same year, at the dreaded mall, by myself walking, <laughs> fucking just walking, you know, I hear, hi, and I look up and like it's a car driving and it's like this 13-year-old little girl in the backseat and equally being a smart, she's not fucking just being friendly and it's like, you know, I just kind of look at it like, fuck you, little girl, you know, you, you ain't fucking, you ain't <laughs> you know, it's just like, kid, the kids don't just come up to, no. do they, I mean, do you have the same problem or is it just me? Yeah, there's, you definitely get treated differently um, you're being more alone. Cut. Yeah, but you still like. Uh, I remember plenty of times, especially back in the early '90s, mid '90s, getting uh, going into stores by yourself, having the store security follow you around because you're obviously up to no good because you have a leather jacket on. You're gonna steal something. Yeah, you know, it's just yeah, it's that type. Of, I didn't notice too much with like the Christmas bells and uh, <laughs> Santa Claus asking for donations and all that type of shit. But uh, yeah, you definitely it's. Uh, it, it, Probably because there's easier to uh, avoid a single person or to just discount them. But there's a group coming towards you, then it's easier to just be friendly and let until they pass, whether they're scary guys or not. You know that type of shit. So uh, yeah, maybe they look at them and it's like, well, there's a group of terrorists. No, yeah. we got to be friendly to them. So maybe I won't be the guy that gets you know held <laughs> <laughs> hostage or yeah. something. Yeah, I was I was actually kind of disappointed because. Uh, I was looking to do a tally of like Salvation Army dudes that would ignore me this year, but yeah. uh, so far it's one for one. I wasn't ignored, so I'm I'm kind of uh, upset by that. But maybe I can count last year's too. So it's so it's two and one. So yeah. I got one, uh, but I don't really go out that often, so uh, I I haven't really been able to test it out ever yeah. anymore. But I guess I got different variances. You know, I can go out with the family and see if I get treated, sure. or then go by myself. So maybe I'll just keep going to the same mall like keep 15 doing minutes that, yeah. later. I just keep walking, see how much more I can get ignored. It'd be yeah. great. And we could have a special field reporter uh, chime in <laughs> yeah. on this, you know, after a while. Expand the Hellcast ranks yeah. and uh, have other people uh, 
chime in as to how their views are. <laughs> there he goes. Avoid it again. <laughs> For the end of the year, we're doing another deal with the devil. Deal with the devil is a giveaway from Hell's Headbangers. And this time they have offered a wide range of CDs that you can win. Your, your choice of one of these, High Spirits, you are here, Centurion Coronzana Chaos Gods, or Of Purest Fire, Cemetery Lust, Orgy of, of Abomination, Children of Technology, Future Decay, Force of Darkness, Absolute Verb of Chaos, Sacral Curse, Unholier Master, October 31, Meet Thy Maker, October 31, Bury the Hatchet, or October 31, The Fire Awaits You, and finally, Inquisition invoking the, ma- the majestic throne of Satan. You can choose between any one of those if you can answer me this. Hellcast is, not, is coming to a close here in a second, and I'm going to do deal with the devil a little bit differently this time. And this time, you're going to have to play name this band, the album, and the name of the song. Maybe pretty simple if you have uh, a vast knowledge and a walking metal encyclopedia. Maybe it came out in 2014 on Hell's Headbangers. Maybe it didn't. Maybe it didn't even come out on Hell's Headbangers. Time will only tell. So take a listen and collect your thoughts and write me at hellcast at hellsheadbangers.com. So after this mystery song, playing the show out is Force of Darkness with Babylon Prison. On behalf of everyone at Hellcast, which is pretty much just me now, (laughs) we wish you a heavy holiday season. And Chris Barnes wrote in and he told me to say Graveyard Christmas to everyone and hopefully that everyone downloaded that album for free and has enjoyed it and felt the Christmas spirit that he once felt when he was in Buffalo. So that is all for the year. I'm looking forward always to a more productive new year. That's always my New Year's resolution and uh, behind the scenes or even on the scenes I thought it was a pretty productive year. So until next year I will talk to you. This is Reaper.
Fire the power of the 